Hi there, and welcome to Let's Slow Down, a podcast for all of you who feel tired and stressed from this overwhelming world. Here we'll have fun, inspiring conversations about living life on our own terms and explore ways to ease the pace of our modern world, because life really is good when you're relaxed enough to be present for it. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Stolting, and I welcome you to this space where I hope to inspire you to slow down because life is too short to let it go by in a blur. So take a deep breath, relax, and enjoy the show. Today, it is my great honor to talk with Father Owen Moran, pastor of St. Luke Church here in Long Valley. I am blessed to hear his words of wisdom every Sunday, and I'm absolutely thrilled that he is sharing them with all of our listeners today. Welcome, Father Owen. Thank you, Anne-Marie. It's good to be with you today. So looking forward to talking to you today about all of this. Why don't we start by telling everybody a little bit about yourself before we jump in? Well, I'm a priest of the Patterson Diocese. I've been in Morris County my whole priesthood 31 years. My first parish was the assistant priest, the vicar at St. Patrick in Chatham. And then I was a pastor in St. Rose of Lima for 16 years. Now in lovely Long Valley, we like to call it Happy Valley yes, for the last do. four <laughs> years. And then in October, I'm moving to St. Vincent in Madison, hopefully till the end of time, because I don't want to move again. And a few weeks ago, your homily was spot on with this podcast message. And you spoke of the significance of quiet moments and sitting with God and our thoughts. So why do you feel it's important to slow down? We live in a world where people multitask too much. We have the TV on, we have the radio on, we're doing things, we're driving, we're drinking coffee. Sometimes, I hate to say, we feel a little bit like a rat on a treadmill. Yep. <laughs> and we need to get off. And, and it's really important to push the stop button and slow down. I often feel like that, like I'm on a hamster mm. wheel. Go, go, go. Your mind's not present. Mm. A couple steps ahead, it's worrying about the next thing mm. or thinking about something that just mm -hmm. happened. Oh, how could I have done that different or better? And when you're living like that, it kind of feels like your life is sort of going by in a blur and you're not living it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it really just hit me a couple of years ago. Like, this is not how I want to be living. Mm. Right. I mean, what words of wisdom can you give people who are thinking, yeah, I want to get off this hamster wheel. I don't want to live like this, but I've got too much going on. How do I do this? It resonates with me, but how do I do it? Well, as you can tell by my accent, I didn't hail from Brooklyn. <laughs> I'm, I'm Irish-American, so I spent most of my childhood in Ireland. And uh, it began in Ireland in a little city called Limerick, where I used to take quiet walks by the River Shannon and just listen to the birds and listen to the noise on the river and to the city noises at a distance and not talk. And then when we went to the local beach, was, which was in County Clare, just watch the waves moving in, moving in, moving in, moving out, moving in, and feel the presence of God. And, and in a minute, I'll speak about the presence of God. I think I'm speaking, obviously, to all of us who see God in some dimension, whether we're Catholic, Christian, or of a different faith. God made the world. He made a beautiful world. And he put human beings in charge of the world. We're stewards. And sometimes, like I said, we feel we're on the treadmill and we can't get off. God gave us intellect, feeling, and emotion. And to truly experience those, 
different ways of life. We need to stop, listen, and enjoy around us. For me, living here in Long Valley, which is a beautiful part of New Jersey, western New Jersey, it's rural, trees. I love central air when I need it. When I don't need it, it's off and the windows are open. So every night I go to sleep, in the summer particularly, listening to the creatures outside the window and feeling the calm. About four o'clock, we're on a flight path and I hear the, the planes all flying above and I think there's a busy world and I'm half asleep and that's exactly how I like it to be. <laughs> I wake up to the morning, the noise of the birds, and then I begin my day of prayer with the Lord. For me, it's incorporating God, the creativity of God into every moment of the day. It's understanding that we have one life, whether we're here for 90 years, more or a little less. We need to have decision in our lives to focus and say, like you said, Anne-Marie, I'm choosing to live differently. So to build into our days, quiet time, prayer time, listen to God, enjoy nature around us, and stop multitasking. I think of, you know, many moms in the, in the family minivan and the coffee and the this and the that and the kids in the back and the and the chaos <laughs> and i think it's really important for mom and dad to take ownership as best they can in a busy world and in a busy family to say guys we're going to live differently and make rules so let's talk about that more well, there's so much there i want to go back to the nature piece mm -hmm. but since you're just talking about the mom in the minivan mm which is certainly me many mm. days, which was really the inspiration of starting this podcast mm -hmm. and having these conversations because I think we've done ourselves a disservice by multitasking mm -hmm. as much as we do. Mm -hmm. The phones, it's like we are supposed to always be available for mm. everyone at any time. And at some point that's gonna catch up to us mm. and catch caught up to me for sure. Mm. And it just make you feel burned out, overwhelmed, like you can't think straight and you can't be present. And I have found that I have to take those moments, mm. lots of them. And, and at this point, things are so busy that I have to schedule them in. I sometimes put do nothing on my mm. calendar. Mm. Otherwise, it's going to get taken up with some other usually good thing that mm -hmm. comes around, but there mm. can be too much good. Having that vision of how I want to model living for my children and the type of family life that we want to have. It's up to us parents to decide, as you said, we, we can make those decisions and model a certain way of, of living for our families and for the future. Sometimes it can be hard to figure out what is, the, what is the right thing to do? What is the best way? And I know it's different for everyone, but can you offer a little bit of advice to people like me who sometimes just feel so overwhelmed with it all? You don't know, like, which balls do we drop? Mm. Which direction do we go? What is best for the kids, for, for our marriage and for our own mental health? Okay. Well, as a Catholic priest, I'll be specific for Catholics and those who are Christian and not Catholic. Make sure that in your home, you have a sign of Christ, the crucifix, the statue of our Blessed Mother, that our faith is present for everybody in the family to see. So you can look up and think what's really important, living a holy life. A holy life involves talking to God, listening to God and for parents role-modeling our Catholic faith to their children, teaching them to pray, reflect, 
grace before meals and a couple of important pieces in that grace before meals and then make meal a happy time. Don't eat your spinach. No, don't worry about the spinach. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry about the spinach. Gauge your child's personality, mood swing during dinner and make it a time when you can all interact. Why is your child quieter than usual? They seem withdrawn. Has something happened? So don't just talk. Listen. Listen and encourage conversation. Second thing that's very important, we, the adult world, suffer from sleep deprivation. Don't check your email after eight o'clock at night because you start thinking. Don't check it for any reason and quieten yourself before you go to bed. A reflective prayer. What I love to do, again, where we live is so beautiful. I go out to my patio. And I spend some time in prayer to God, but I look up at the sky, whether it's summer, winter, fall, or spring, and I feel the presence of God, and I gain strength, but also peace. And then I go upstairs to bed with a little glass of water, having said my prayers, and go sleep. I set the tone for a good night's sleep. I don't let my mind wander, so that when I wake up in the morning, of course I wake up a few times at night, but when I wake up in the morning, I'm refreshed, and then I can take the tasks of the day on. If something comes to my mind during the night of something to do, I dismiss it. I won't let myself go there. I calm myself, and I say in the morning, I'll write down lists of things to do. So in the morning, being refreshed, then I write down the things I need to do. I begin the day always with prayer, bringing God into my day. Now, here's the thing. You might say, well, you're a preacher of nothing else to do. Well, maybe, maybe not. But in a busy house, a prayer can be a Hail Mary in the shower and our Father as you get dressed. You know, as you're walking to the car, as you're driving to school, seeing the nature around you, it can be five minutes or longer or less, but it means bringing God into the beginning of the day and bringing God into the end of the day. And being that parent that facilitates peace and quiet and reflection. There's so much there. I love everything that you're saying. I have trouble with that, turning the mind off at mm, night. It's hard. It's really mm -hmm. hard. And sometimes writing them down does help me. I feel like if I get it out of my head and put it on paper, then okay, I can deal with it tomorrow. Mm. But um, that's a challenge. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think, a superpower of yours. If you, mm. if you can truly do it and the mm. thought pops up, you say, I'm going to put it on the mm. back burner till the morning. I am working on that. Mm. That is definitely a goal of mine. It's important because then in the morning you wake up refreshed, not exhausted. And here's the thing, too. We need to try to have a minimum of seven hours. Mm -hmm. Less than that doesn't work. And children, I think back to my childhood. Children once a week should have eight to 10 hours of sleep. The biggest That's problem, good. sorry to all sports enthusiasts, is sports. It's killing it family is. life. Yep. And children should be told they can have one sport. That's it. That it can't overly interfere with their time to do other things, to dream, to rest, to invent in their minds, and to have family time. One sport per year, and that's it. No, most of our families are not going to be well-known baseball stars. Right. Most of us are mediocre, some are good. 
Oh, wow. <laughs> exactly. That's the reality of it. We have this conversation regularly in my house. As you know, I have three very active athletic mm -hmm. children. It can be too much. And mm -hmm. it, it, I agree with you mm -hmm. that it is really hurting families. Mm -hmm. That dinner mm -hmm. where you can check in and not only mm -hmm. talk to your children, but listen to them, mm -hmm. as well as your spouse and yeah. everyone in your family. Mm -hmm. You know what? We don't get that too often no. during a sports season because no. there is the hustle and bustle. Hopefully, you, you can get a home-cooked meal in there, mm. but the chance of everybody sitting down at a mm. table and eating that meal at the mm. same time are slim to none yeah. most of the time. Mm. And that that's hurting us as yeah. a society. It is. And the, oh, the thing that many of us grew up with, which is very important, Sunday lunch or Sunday dinner. Yeah. Again, very important. I know we all, all of us did it when we were little. A, a nice special meal, depending on what your ethnic background yep. was. Being together and sharing and loving and enjoying. And that's really important. That special time and foods that children like and, and asking children to help. Help, even though it's going to be way longer, but show them how to cook, boys and girls alike. Show them how to set the table, help them to do maybe a different course of the meal or to do something and then praise them and, and let them feel the appreciation you have. I cooked my first meal at 11. My mom and dad went into, we used to say town, it was Limerick City, two miles away. <laughs> and I decided to have dinner and I did Irish, of course, uh, <laughs> roast chicken, some sort of veg, I don't remember, and mashed potatoes. And uh, I don't remember if I had dessert, but I do remember my mom and dad coming into the house and the table was set. Everything was done, except I wasn't able to carve the chicken. And I can remember that vividly. Mom and dad saying, oh, my gosh, what a lovely treat. So, you know, when you're patient with children and you teach them how to cook, it's as payback because then they actually cook. <laughs> And I find that they're more likely to eat that meal, too, Absolutely. when they have a hand in making it. Absolutely. That's great. You were 11. Mm. That's mm. impressive. Mm. Good job mm. to mom and dad yeah. over there. <laughs> <laughs> the eldest is six. <laughs> yeah. yeah. See? And, and that's the other thing. I mm. mean, you came from a family of six. Mm. I grew up th mm. those big Sunday dinners mm. like you're talking about. My father's mm. one of seven. Mm. My grandmother was mm. Irish. Mm. My grandfather was Italian. Mm. So, of course, it was going to be a <laughs> spaghetti and meatball type meal. Yeah. Yeah. But... We did it every Sunday, mm -hmm. and there was quite a few of us mm -hmm. on a good day, mm -hmm. over 20 people, and somehow we all got there. Mm -hmm. Somehow there wasn't, everybody rearranged their schedule, and we got there mm -hmm. on Sundays, and I grew up with all my cousins. Mm -hmm. I'm still very close with a lot of them today. And, and that's how you're close to them, Anne-Marie, because, you know, after the main course, the kids could go out and play, and in those days, it was the ladies, generally. The ladies did the dishes and the guys chatted or talked. And then they reconvened for dessert and yeah. the kids came back and it was nice. There was, well, here's the thing too, <laughs> you know, nowadays we, you know, we have cornerstones for men and women and they're wonderful. But in those days, you had women hanging out, supporting each other, men hanging out, supporting each other, and kids having a good time and playing together and do, doing things together. Cousins and siblings who loved each other. So if there was a kid who was weaker at something, the loving cousin or sibling helped them. And it was really special. And women had the ability then to chat with sisters-in-law or aunts, mothers, and share their challenges and whatever. And the men could do the same thing about jobs and work. And it's really important. It's a setting where 
people can just unwind and yeah. let it go. And have that support and community mm. and like a loving place that's yeah. nurturing and there's mm. no agenda. No agenda. Yeah. It's just be. Mm-hmm. And the kids, there's something to be said for them just going and being kids and just right. figuring it out. Mm-hmm. Get a ball and make up a game. Yeah. Go play kickball. Everything doesn't have to be structured no. and by adults. We uh, we lived about two miles. We were in the suburbs of Limerick City. And we, we used to take by our bikes and we'd have old drapes and towels and different things. And we'd bicycle to a local castle, Bunretti Castle. And we used to play games in a rune castle. The knights of the whatever and this and that and the other. And we ran around ancient steps and we loved it. And it was great to this day, Anne-Marie, and, you, and I appreciate you complimenting my homilies. That begins with imagination. Sadly, some of our younger priests go online and take somebody else's mm-hmm. homily. And it doesn't always work. You have to say sometimes, do you understand what you're actually saying? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, by having an imagination, it helps in giving a homily. So you can talk about a situation that long has passed. And you bring it to the present as a teaching experience. And not being so tapped out that you can't tap into your imagination. Absolutely. Not being so exhausted, you mm-hmm. know, going back to what you were saying about the sleep. And, and it's so true. I mm. noticed from all of us, at the end of the day, that's not the time to start making decisions or no. having big, important conversations no. because you're not thinking clearly. Mm. You don't have the energy for no. it. You just don't. Get a good night's sleep, revisit it in the morning. Everything mm. is clearer and easier yeah. and doesn't feel so hard, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. At night, our body is naturally tired and we want to unwind and we want to take time. One thing for husbands and wives, very important to get some friend time, not just, you know, marriage time, friend time. You think when you and Bill were, you know, dating initially and you went out and you talked about stuff. And then, of course, you were getting, preparing for marriage, and you talked about the wedding, the this, the mass, the this, the reception. And then after that, the children came, and you talked about the kids. It's very important to make a date. Yes. At least once a month. And have quality time. If you can afford it, go out to dinner wherever you can afford. If you can't, have a pizza night and a bottle of wine. Yeah. And say to the kids, you know the way you have friends sleepovers? Well, this is our sleepover. And you don't talk about kids. You don't talk about the house. You don't talk about jobs. You don't talk about money. You make a rule where you only talk about things that engage you or maybe possible things you're going to do, vacations, trips, things that engage both of you. So that it's in a very busy night or week, we think, Oh, wow, next week we're going to have just this quality time. I can't wait. It's important. It's very important. Mm. I love that. I'm glad that you said that. Mm. And it's something we need to make time for. We can't afford not to make time for that. Really, you can't because, you know, being friends with your spouse is really important. Hanging out, laughing together, discussing together for each of you is wonderful. But it leads to a healthy marriage and a healthy home where the kids see mom and dad having a good time. There's so many silly things that can stress us, you know, and sometimes, oh, yeah. yeah, husband and wife, sometimes they take out their frustration on each other because they know they can, but they shouldn't. I did a, a wedding yesterday for a wonderful young couple and I reminded them nobody would hurt them as much as each other. The eyes go up to heaven, the clenched fist, the annoyed look, the impatient gesture, 
it's hurtful. And it's usually about something rather silly. And so it's really important rather to put your hand on their hand and make a nice gesture. The things that you most love about your spouse when you're tired can be most annoying. But hello, it could be the same for them and you. Right, right. <laughs> it's really good advice that I think we all need to hear because it is, it's hard. And and as parents of school-age kids, mm. it is not easy no. sometimes to focus on your marriage and focus on your children mm. and focus on yourself mm. and your job and mm. all, all of it. But this is a really good reminder that it's a good reminder. And, you know, again, to plan. My sister, in, who lives in Dublin, Margaret, married to Paul, has two two girls. I was always terribly organized, and she used to laugh and tease me, and she used to say, oh, oh and getting ready for Christmas. Why don't we just eat at Christmas Eve and be done with it? And I'd say, nope, 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 that's not the point. We have to be organized. And after she was married, she said, oh, my God, I've become you. And <laughs> was that a compliment? <laughs> it was. <laughs> It was. <laughs> now, when she has family dinners or friends over for dinner, she always plans and organizes so she can do it. And I think if you like to cook, it, it can't be last minute. You have to have right. the stuff you need and you have to have the availability to plan it. Otherwise, if I may say, it can be a freak show. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it's true. I mean, it's like what they say. You have to you have to have an idea of where you're going. Mm. You get in the car with no mm -hmm. no destination mm -hmm. in mind. You're just driving. Mm -hmm. You're just wasting your time. You're wasting your gas. All yeah. of it. And it goes for life, right? It goes for everything we do. Every single day, we mm. have to have some sort of plan. And mm -hmm. it doesn't mean we need to be like super type A no. and everything. No. We can be flexible and we can still be easygoing. But, but something to look forward to yeah. as well. You know, a little break or a little treat or a little something or a little space where in, in the middle of busyness, you can think, yeah, later on, I have a half an hour to myself. Exactly. Or whatever that special thing is. But it doesn't just happen. Like you said, Anne-Marie, you've got to factor it in, whether it's carving out time, whether it's making it happen. And again, as a family, with everybody involved, things are way easier because everybody has their piece they do. Yeah. Yes, we are working on that a lot, it's especially hard, as kids important. get older. They're mm -hmm. all capable. Everybody Very capable. Help. And that's part of being on, on the most important team that is your family. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right? That's, yes. Yeah. That's where your loyalty needs to it be. It does. But it's kind of like our us as parents need to be the coaches and lead the way yeah. and make those plans. And, you know, I, I do want to go back for a second and just talk about what you said about nature, because I feel like anytime I feel super overwhelmed mm. or I just, I feel like I need a minute, mm. I get outside. Mm. It, it's almost like an instant reset. Yeah. And it's especially around here where everything is so beautiful mm -hmm. and you do feel God. You re are reminded that you are something small and yeah. something that's much bigger than you. And something beautiful, you know, yes. the priest's house here in Long Valley is on beautiful acres. And at the at one end of the of the property, the rectory is an outdoor chapel. And uh, I look at the, the altar, you know, I face the, the parking lot, which isn't too attractive. It's a parking lot. But everybody else faces a little rise, a little mini mountain. And uh, when we have outdoor mass, people say, I can't imagine a more beautiful stained glass window. And there isn't. So any of us who've privileged to have even a little backyard, a quarter of an acre or, you know, however big it is, find that safe, happy space and take a few breaths. If you have time in the morning, and I don't always have time, but 
Have coffee on the patio, quick coffee. At night, the same thing. Feel the presence of God because we're his stewards. So as our Holy Father reminds us, we're stewards of planet Earth in our faith, most importantly, but also helping to preserve the beauty of planet Earth, free from pollution and all the things that harm our environment. And so we need to get to it and enjoy it and then preserve it. And those those couple minutes, that coffee, those just couple deep breaths mm. don't need to take a lot of time. No. They don't cost anything. No. And they can make such mm -hmm. a huge difference on our mindset. Yeah. And, you know, our mood and just our overall yeah. well-being. And that filters into how we treat everybody else around us. It's great. I often go to my house around three o'clock for an hour and I make a pot of tea, being Irish, <laughs> I make a nice pot of tea. And I sit, I have a counter in the kitchen that's directly facing the kitchen window, looking out at the outdoor chapel and the beautiful field. And I'm writing, thinking, planning for an hour. And my mind is just so full because that's my happy space. My staff know where I am. I know that I can focus and the job gets done so easily to maybe So maybe when you have tasks to do, work to do, even on your computer, don't go into a little dark corner of a room. Find a bright window with a nice view or go outside and get the energy from God's nature to help you to focus. That's great. Mm. I love that. I try to do that as well, and it makes a huge difference. Mm. Huge mm. difference. Wow, Father Owen, you are so much fun to talk to. Thank and you, inspiring. And I... I hope that everyone listening gets as much out of this conversation that I'm getting. So before you go, what final message would you like to leave the listeners with today? As Catholics, we look to the lives of the saints. We admire them. Today is this feast of St. Monica. St. Monica had a son who was a little bit of a brat, and she prayed for him, and the brat became a saint, St. Augustine. So I say patience with ourselves patience with our environment, and the ability to find the strength, the time, and the wisdom to live life to the fullest. We get one chance to live our lives. Make the best of it. Bring God into our life and find the grace to live it to the fullest. Thanks very much. Thank you for being here, Father. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and have been inspired to slow down and start living life at your own pace. As a brand new podcast, your listener voice matters. If Let's Slow Down is resonating with you, please take a minute to leave a review and rate us. Subscribe to the show wherever you listen and share it with friends. Remember, this is a process, so go easy on yourself. Be gentle and take all the space you need to thrive because the world needs you to be at your best, to love and serve others and yourself. 